says goodbye. And we're back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. This is Dump on the Ump, ostensibly a baseball podcast. Tonight is Monday, June the 20th, 2022. Coming at you from Champaign, Illinois. My name is Joel. With me as per usual is nobody. I'm here by myself. Sam is in the hospital. We're wishing him well. I think he's going to do great. Uh, Shout out to Thomas. I was talking to Justin earlier tonight on Twitter, but uh, I'm going to try something a little bit different tonight. I don't know if it's going to work or not, but we shall see. So, um, I guess I ought to come at you with a hot take. My hot take tonight is the next manager of the Chicago White Sox ought to be Ichiro Suzuki. There's nobody here to disagree with me, so I think the answer is yes. Probably later this week, I'll renew that as my hot take. See if anybody has a disagreement with me. I want to give a shout out to everyone who's been listening to this podcast, ostensibly a baseball podcast. You can check us out on Apple Podcast, on SoundCloud, and or Spotify. Just search Dump on the Ump. Shout out to our listeners, Columbus, Ohio, Tallahassee, Florida, San Jose, California, Ashburn, Virginia, FBI. Check it out. Bend, Oregon, Tokyo, Japan, Istanbul, Turkey, Orlando, Florida, Conowingo, Maryland, Sterling Heights, Michigan, Escondido, Escondido, California, Las Vegas, Nevada, Chicago, Illinois. Thank you so much for supporting us. Please continue to do so. Remember, you can follow us on all your social media applications. That includes Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I guess that's about it. I'm now opening a fucking Snapchat account. I hate Snapchat, you guys. But I really appreciate you all following along and listening. I got two things to say before I get into the meat of today's episode. The White Sox defeated the Blue Jays in the first of a three-game set tonight. This comes off the heels of losing two out of three to the Houston Astros and sweeping the Detroit Tigers. I was there in Detroit for two of those three games. Shout out to Cook and Matilda for that. Um, I'm going to save that for a later conversation about my visit to Comerica Park, which is now 10 out of 30 parks in the United States of America and Canada. So, you know, I'm getting there, I suppose. It was a great game. Uh, really fucking hot. Absolutely disgustingly hot. Uh, but as a Chicago White Sox fan, I do think that the Sox are going to turn it around. Uh, we got Tim Anderson back tonight. Eli Jimenez is in the tubes, so to speak, to get back 
um, with the Major League Baseball team. Kopech pitched in a 4-3 loss to Houston last night, but he is at least healthy. Lance Lynn pitched a decent, I'll call it a decent game tonight against the Toronto Blue Jays. So uh, the White Sox, even though they're still uh, below 500 as a team, you know, I'm not giving up hope. Let me put it that way. I'm not giving up hope. So uh, because I'm here on my own tonight, I wanted to try out something that we've tried out before, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, I want to talk about how much Major League Baseball team owners suck, because they all fucking suck. Every billionaire in this country, you don't get to become, I'm going to say this again later in this episode, you don't get to become a billionaire without being a terrible human being. And one of the great lies that the devil ever told us is that billionaires are your friends. They're not. Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner of the Chicago White Sox, even though the White Sox are on my team, Reinsdorf is a piece of shit and he's not your friend. Tonight, I'm going to talk about someone that we have spoken about before on this podcast, and that is the New York Mets owner, Stephen Cohen. Now, the Mets, let me check this, they are on top of the National League East. Uh, They have been spending money, which, you know, to be honest, is what you want your owner to be doing. That's the best you can ask of them, is that they're spending money. The Mets uh, remain on top of the NL East at 45 and 24, even though the Atlanta Braves are coming on hot, as are the Philadelphia Phillies. The Mets still have a five and a half game lead on the Braves as of tonight, Monday, June the 20th. Regardless, Steve Cohen is a piece of shit. And I'm going to spend the next, we'll call it 20, maybe 30 minutes, talking to you about how much a piece of shit Steve Cohen actually is. So, without further ado, because I'm the only one here, let's get into this. So, although none of us here on Dump on the Yump are actually fans of the New York Mets, their team and a franchise that we probably spend more time and energy covering than any other. Ever since their 2015 World Series loss to the Kansas City Royals, which, fun fact, was Dump on the Yum's first season, we have breathlessly covered the fall and rise and fall again of our favorite baseball squadron, the Nye Mets. After all, Mets gonna Mets. However, it's now time to dive back into the sordid world of the Borough of Queens as the amazing Mets have been sold to hedge fund mogul Steve Cohen for reported $2.4 billion. Now that 
um, uh, $2.4 billion is important to Mark because it was originally $2.6 billion, but that deal fell apart after the previous owners of the Mets, the Wilpons, refused to cede control. Then the pandemic hit, spiking losses amongst MLB teams, and the Wilpons ultimately sold, excuse me, sold the Cohen for $2 billion, $475 million. Essentially, Wilpon, because he's a fucking dumbass, paid over a, uh, sold for $100 million less and avoided likely a similar amount in losses for the 2020 season. After some hesitation, Major League Baseball owners voted to approve Cohen's purchase of the Mets in October, October, with the White Sox owner, Jerry Reinsdorf, being one of the few owners to vote against the sale. Talk about that later. This, of course, ends the long and mostly disastrous reign of Fred Wilpon and the Wilpon family as the owners of the Mets, which we will talk about later. The approval means that Cohen is now the richest owner in Major League Baseball with an estimated net worth of $14.1 billion. In order to get the city of New York and Mayor Bill de Blasio at the time to also sign off on the deal, Cohen agreed to donate $17.5 million to New York small businesses and to increase his local charitable donations. Mets fans, of course, were ecstatic. At his press conference, his original press conference, Cohen talked about how he didn't buy the Mets in order to own a mediocre baseball team. And alongside team president Sandy Alderson, seemed to imply that he was willing to do and to spend what it takes in order to make the Mets winners. Now, I think we've seen this paid out, right? At least this year. With, uh, what's his name? Lindor is raking it for the New York Mets. They've got the polar bear, Pete Alonso. The Mets are the best team in the National League. So I'm not going to shit on Cohen for that. He has made good on that deal that he is spending what it takes to make the Mets a good baseball team. So good for him for that. However, you don't get to become a billionaire in America by being a very nice or necessarily a law-abiding citizen. So we're going to take a look under the hood of the new kid on the block and find out how Steve Cohen got to where he is today. And although he may be more competent and you know, less prone to falling for Ponzi schemes than the Will Ponds are, which we'll do an episode about, I think it will be safe for us to say that the owner of the New York Mets still sucks. Stephen A. Cohen. 
was born in 1956 in Great Neck, New York, on the north shore of Long Island, just on the other side of the Cross Island Parkway from Queens. Great Neck is 82% white and is also the basis for the West Egg, which was uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald's basis for, uh, uh, you know, the, the setting for The Great Gatsby. So that's where Cohen is coming from, right? He attended John Miller Great Neck High School, which is also the alma mater of Francis Ford Coppola, Andy Kaufman, and uh, Chef Island Elon Hall. Cohen attended the Wharton School of Business at Penn, which is also where he went to school with Donald Trump for what's that worth. I couldn't find any evidence that they were actually like friends or even knew each other, but they are both from Queens and they both went to Wharton to get their MBA. So make of that what you will. After graduating from Wharton in 1978, Cohen went to Wall Street and got a job with the investment banking and brokerage firm Grudall and Company. Steve was highly, highly successful at this relatively small investment firm. And by the 1980s, was managing at least a $75 million portfolio, which was like unusual for a young kid, right? He's 22 at this time on Wall Street and he has $75 million portfolio. That's not common. Being the unusually successful 20-something-year-old partner at your small-time trading firm is bound to attract attention and Cohen, he soon got it. In 1985, when he was, what, 29, uh, General Electric arranged to acquire the OCA Corporation for $6.2 billion, which at the time was the largest non-oil merger in United States history. Cohen, as an employee of Grudel and Company, had bet a large amount of money on the merger before it happened, which called the security, which caused the Securities and Exchange Commission to come around sniffing. Cohen refused to testify under oath, as is his Fifth Amendment rights. And although the SEC never was able to prosecute him, years later it would be revealed that Cohen had paid between 8 and $10 million to his friend and lawyer, Brett K. Lurie, during this time for undisclosed reasons. Cohen's ex-wife, Patricia, whom he divorced in 1988, sued Cohen, claiming that while they were married, he, quote, confessed to her that he received inside information about the takeover of OCA by General Electric. When asked at the time if trading on such information would be illegal, Mr. Cohen said that he knew the source was a former classmate of his from Wharton, adding that he obtained the information from a mutual friend, so he was not involved in insider trading. This is all from the New York Times 2009 article. Okay, so 
he was doing insider trading. Like we know he was doing insider trading here at the age of 29. He's this hot shot motherfucker, hedge fund manager, investment trader. And he is using, let's say, shady inside information to make these deals because I'm going to be honest with you. I'm obsessed with friend and lawyer Brett K. Woolley, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Now, Patricia Cohen, Steve Cohen's ex-wife, also claimed that Steve hid millions of dollars by funneling them through Brett K. Lurie's shady real estate operations. According to the same New York Times article from 2009, quote, in Miss Cohen's version of events, her husband and his brother, Donald Cohen, orchestrated a a long-running racketeering scheme. She says that her former husband lied under oath about his network, conducted mail and wire fraud, and concealed from her and the Supreme Court of New York State millions of dollars that he possessed in 1990, thus reducing her divorce settlement. That's a serious accusation that Steve Cohen's ex-wife is making about it. Now, before I move on, because I'm, I'm kind of running out of material here, I do want to talk about Brett K. Lurie. Brett K. Lurie was essentially Steve Cohen's fix-it man. You know, like what Giuliani does with Donald Trump or what, uh, uh, oh, God damn it, what is his name? Stone does for Trump, or if you've ever seen Angels in America, Cohen. They've all got these attorneys who are not actually attorneys who go around doing shady-ass shit for them. And this guy, Brett K. Lurie, is this fix-it man for Steve Cohen. Now, in the 1980s, Brett K. Lurie was involved in real estate in Queens. Excuse me. In Queens. And he got convicted by the state of New York. And he went on the lamb. And I'm going to read now from this 2004 article. Excuse me, from InsideCostaRica.com. This is amazing. Brett Lurie was convicted of scamming a Queens co-op in 1994 after convincing a sentencing judge in 2001 that he needed more time to sort out matters with his son, the feckless father, who'd raised the boys after splitting with their mother years before, spirited them out of the country. 
U.S. officials have an extradition warrant and are determined to bring in the scammer who set up a swank new life replete with stunning million-dollar-plus beachfront and mountain hideaways guarded by dogs. Brett K. Roy got convicted of real estate scams in Queens in the early 1990s and jumped the country and fled to Costa Rica where he was eventually arrested and extradited by the Costa Rican officials. This is Steve Cohen's buddy. That's the only reason. Well, no, that's not the only reason. This guy, like, I'm obsessed with this guy. He is a scam artist of the highest degree. But I bring him up now because this is Steve Cohen's buddy. This is the guy, and you know Cohen as more than one of these guys. These are the guys that Steve Cohen is bringing up with him from Great Neck, Long Island, to cover up his crimes. Not unlike a certain former president of ours, that's all I'm saying. In 1992, Cohen started his own trading company, SAC Capital Advisors, with $10 million of his own money. By 2003, SAC had become one of the largest hedge funds, hedge funds on Wall Street, managing as much as $14 billion in equity, with an average annual return of 25% over 10 years. Red flag, red flag, red flag. And average annual return of 25% over 10 years, red flag. The rapid growth of Cohen's firm once again gained the attention of the SEC. And once again, Cohen was under investigation for insider trading. One of the key problems with SAC Capital was that, that, was that it managed to outperform markets year after year even though it did so by placing high-volume bets on small and short-term changes in the stock market. If a firm consistently does this over a long enough period of time, the odds of it being caused by insider trading eventually reaches 100%. Like the Enron guys, they ran into the same thing. You don't consistently outperform the market. If somebody tells you that they 100% outperform market expectations, they are fucking, it's a, it's, it's a scam. I don't know how else to tell you this. And that's why he bought the Mets. In 2012, Cohen's company came under the target of the SEC. In July of 2013, federal prosecutors announced a five-count five count criminal indictment against SAC Capital, that's Cohen's company, describing the firm as, quote, a breeding ground for unlawful insider trading. Although Cohen himself faced no criminal charges, he was prosecuted with a civil complaint for failing to supervise employees who were charged with criminal insider trading. So basically, he's 
saying his employees were doing it without his knowledge. The case centered around two SAC employees, portfolio managers Michael Steinberg and Matthew Matroma, who both received insider information that Dell Computers was about to miss their quarterly earnings and then passing that information along to Cohen. So they're saying that they passed this insider information along to Steve Cohen. He denies that, and he was not prosecuted criminally for that. Cohen began selling all 500,000 of his Dell shares, avoiding a personal loss of $1.7 million. This is all according to an, uh, a long essay, good essay in the New Yorker. <laughs> this is also from that New Yorker. Martin Klotz, Cohen's lawyer, was essentially saying that Cohen, the most successful trader of his generation, was winging it every day. Maybe he read a critical email. Maybe he didn't. Who knew? Cohen lived in a swamp of information so deep that there was no way to prove that any particular email was read, let alone acted upon. There was no method to what he did. It was all improvisation. So that's all I have for you tonight. And I don't think there's any grand lesson to be learned from this, except that people like Steve Cohen, who, you know, we, we applaud, he grew up in, you know, Long Island, he grew up a fucking Mets fan, I don't know. But he got his money through criminal activities. And one thing that I think we're going to see over and over again is that this is the rule, not the exception. And so I'm really happy for the Mets. You know, the Mets are the best team in the National League. We've got an episode about the Will Ponds. I will do you an episode about the Will Ponds later this summer because they were terrible people also. But every Major League Baseball team is owned by a billionaire. And it is impossible. It's impossible to morally become a billionaire in this country. And so, I don't know. It is what it is, I guess. That's all I got for tonight. White Sox won tonight. I'm really excited about that. I hope that they turn their season around because of this. Um, this guy, Brett K. Lurie, I'm going to write a book about him. I want to be, I don't want to be, I want to know more about this shady real estate ad uh, <laughs> adventurer. That's the word that I'm coming up with. From Queens who has to flee the country to get arrested in Costa Rica for shady dealings. Um, Hopefully, uh, we'll have another episode up later this week. I will talk to Sam. You know, i am gotten a, a lot of good. Uh, we posted, you know, he's, go, he's going through chemo right now. 
and we've gotten some great shout outs from Twitter and and listeners of the podcast. So I uh, hope everything is going well with him. Anyway, that's all I got. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Dump on the Ump, on Facebook at Dump on the Ump. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating, a review, and a subscription. You can also listen to us on SoundCloud, on Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For myself, my name is Joel. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, have a great evening and a pleasant tomorrow. Sweet babe, I'm going to leave you and the time is Days I'm gone.